Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome to the point after on WDVE Pittsburgh. The entire Steelers radio broadcast team is here to break down the last game. Here's your host, Missy Matthews. 10.31 to go. He gets the shotgun snap. He's back. He's going to run. He's going to be hit by Cam. And guess what? He's in a bear hug and he can't escape. Everybody, welcome to The Point After, presented by Parks Casino. Missy Matthews, Bill Hillgrove, and Craig Wolfley here for you on the first Victory Monday of the 2021 season. A surprising, as some would call it, Billy, win over the Buffalo Bills in Orchard Park, but the Steelers got the job done yesterday. Uh, On the road for the seventh straight year, we'll wait for the home opener next weekend. Well, the Buffalo fandom really thought that it was going to be a party. Uh, I could sense that walking through the parking lot, going into the press box. Uh, I could sense that they were there uh, for a feast. And uh, when it got to be 10 nothing, I was a little concerned. But what I liked about the fact that when uh, they got that big return for 75 yards on the opening kickoff, the Steelers' defense really dug in in the red zone. And I think that statement began to let the Bills know that it's not going to be easy. And I think that is where uh, reality set in. There's no question in my mind, as we walked through the parking lot, you could tell. I mean, it the, was a party. It was a party. Oh. The Buffalonians and, need and, and, no real yeah. reason other than it's football, baby. Let's go. And that's exactly what it was. And they were all hyped up. They were psyched. They were ready to go. And, and dutifully so. I mean, this is a team that does have Super Bowl aspirations and is capable, no question in my mind. But, wow, getting inside there, I know how loud this stadium is. I've Ooh. been down there and played and, you know, having, you know, that sort of sound. It's a tsunami of sound that comes at you. Boom. It comes down. And when it went off on that kickoff return, you know, Isaiah McKenzie lit it up, what, 75 yards or something like that. I, the one thing you want to do coming into a hostile environment is quiet the crowd. And that is the opposite of what you should do. Mm-hmm. But like you just pointed out, Billy, and it, and it was a terrific, magnificent stand by the defense to let them just have three. 
because that place would have been rocking louder than loud had they scored a touchdown. I still think it was very loud in the first half. I think Bills oh, yeah. fans were into it, like you said, when it was 10 nothing. But knowing the Steelers were going to get the ball first, I think there was a little bit of hope in terms of maybe the Steelers fans. And there were a fair amount of black and gold fans. You saw the terrible towels yesterday. But the Bills fans really were into it and to the point where I still couldn't hear, probably until there was about five or so minutes left in the game. And then that's really when you guys noticed fans were actually starting to leave. They showed it on television. That's where we first saw it. Uh, we can't see the gates, but television can. And I said, where is this mafia going? They must be going to a meeting somewhere. <laughs> I, it, they were scattering. It was amazing. And and the one end, and Missy, I know you're on the sideline, but still you have to favor one end or the other, depending on where the ball is. That one end to the right of the press box, as we look at the field, uh, is pretty loud. Oh, it's ridiculously loud. I mean, Again, I go back to one of the times, uh, I think it was the last time I played in that stadium was <laughs> we went through, we were down there on the five-yard line, and uh, we, we had not had a first down the entire first half, and we were backed up in our end zone, and it was so loud. And, and Webby, I remember Webby bumped me and said, okay, you're going to do something. And he goes up, and we go up to the line of scrimmage, and he's down there, and Freddie Smurlis was the nose tackle. who was <laughs> He was hair trigger quick. You know what I mean? You, you sneeze, and he was you know down your throat. Anyhow, Webby gave him a little veteran squeeze on the ball, and he jumped off sides. And Jimmy Hazlitt, who was a, he's a known uh, you know hot temper guy, great player, <laughs> great. But but Jimmy Jimmy starts yelling at Fred, and Fred's like, "Shut up! I know what I'm doing." And, you know, and they're yelling at each other. Second down, and Webby Webby taps me in the huddle. Go watch this. <laughs> we go up there. He does it again. Smurls jumps offside. Now Hazlitt is like right in Fred Smurls's face. Fred was Fred was a big, huge, strong guy. Yes, he was. And they're like going at it back and forth. And Webby's just laughing in the huddle, like, you know, the cat that ate the canary. And it was that's the only first done we had the entire first half. Oh boy. Uh, I remember a game where uh, Terry Bradshaw couldn't hit the bar- broadside of a barn. He forgot to put on his <laughs> nylons, you know, for you know, okay. to warm the legs up, to keep okay. the legs warm. He forgot. All right. And he came out there cold as he could be. And I remember talking to him during that following week, and he said, Billy, people don't know how tough this position is until they play it. He said, sometimes I'll just uh, call sc- screens until I hit somebody and feel good about myself. Oh, yeah. And that day he didn't <laughs> feel good about himself for a long time because in, or in, in addition to being chilly, it was, you know, cold. Fighting cold. Exactly. Coming off that week. Well, and, you know, the confidence thing, I think that was huge, especially uh, hearing the Steelers' locker room. They were a little excited following the win when they had a chance to go in after it. You know, just knowing what Josh Allen, he got to make a contract this offseason, too, a little bit sooner than T.J. Watt did. But as we said, you know, as we were chatting prior to the show, everybody picked the Bills to win this one, and not just by a little bit, (laughs) uh, by putting up 30 points. So I think for the Steelers' defense that lost Bud Dupree, lost Mike Hilton, you don't have Stephon Tewitt, who's currently on IR. You added some new faces with Joe Schobert, Devin Bush is back. I think they did have a lot to prove, uh, and I think that they liked the fact that they were able to shut them down, knowing, you know, going back to last year, it was week 14. That was not a pretty scene in Buffalo. You know what's interesting to me is when you hear these circumstances rise up where you get everybody in the world picking against the Steelers, one of the things I always remember is Tunch telling me, my dear brother Tunch, uh, telling me that, you know, I know this franchise and this team, and whatever 
generational year-by-year type attitude it has. One thing that always stood true is the fact that this team plays so much better with a chip on its shoulder than it does as being a front runner. I mean, they just it's just that uh, Robert Conrad, here, I dare you to knock it off. You know I mean? <laughs> Go ahead, knock it off my shoulder. You know, and that's what I think they excel at. It's just something, a mentality that uh, when you're a Pittsburgh Steeler, you put the black and gold on and you just have that chip on your shoulder that says, yeah, I dare you. And you look at these guys, they went in there two-fisted, took the best punches, and then came out punching. And uh, how do you how do you put into words what, what we just watched yesterday? Ben gave a lot of credit to the defense for keeping it close enough and allowing the offense to Until finally wake up. Yeah. Or traction is a good word. And uh, I think that's true. And and what I liked about what that defense did, it gave Josh Allen a lot to think about and a lot of problems and a lot of things that he just couldn't handle without blitzing. I, I Did they, blitz? Had, they, they blitz once, right? That, I think they blitzed more than once. But okay. I, I, but let me just say this. The preponderance of what they did was a four-man rush. Yeah. You know, it was just coming with four guys. And those four guys were coming. I mean, think about it. That Buffalo line, that's a that's a sumo tournament lineup, okay? Those guys, they are heavy hoofers. You put those guys in, in diapers and, and go out there and just have <laughs> at it, you'd think you're in a sumo tournament, okay? That's how big that line is. And yet I was just watching on, on, on film before I came here. I watched Cam Hayward hit Mitch Morse, who's a huge man. He's 6'6", 310 pounds. Hit him with a two-handed strike to the chest and jolted him backwards like three steps. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, man, that's just another reason I'm so happy to be retired. You know? <laughs> I mean, if he can do that, I mean, it's like it's like hitting a VW and moving that thing. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I have tremendous respect for these guys, but to force them up front, to be able to put pressure from that foursome, which includes, you know, the triumvirate of uh, Mel Ingram along with the T.J. Watt and, of course, Alex Highsmith. Those three guys really brought it yesterday, and I was impressed. And Cam Hayward played like a man possessed, I thought. Yeah. He, you know, just said, this is going to be my best effort and uh, let the chips fall. Defensive leader that they all look to for sure, but definitely with his play. Uh, and, you know, when you look at their snap counts, we knew TJ Watt has not practiced uh, barely anything with his team during the preseason and training camp. He played 81% of defensive snaps with 69, but, you know, Mika Fitzpatrick, Cam Sutton, Joe Hayden, Terrell Edmonds were the only ones that played 100. Devin Bush coming back from that knee injury, we talked about him a little bit, 86%. Trey Norwood, the uh, the unforgotten rookie who started yesterday, <laughs> he had 80%. Joe Sherbert, 78 But then you get into the 60s with Cam Hayward, Melvin Ingram, Tyson Alualu. Not, you know, he should not be forgetting, forgotten as well. Nope. And then Alex Highsmith and even Chris Wormley, somebody who I feel like we didn't really get to see a lot last year due to injury and the fact that they were pretty healthy there. But, you know, even Carlos Davis, even though we know uh, Cam gave it to him, I think you pointed that out, Wolf, uh, at some point during the first half. But those guys did a really good job of staying fresh. And as you said, Billy, confusing Josh Allen where he didn't know what was coming at him, and they were really just creating the pressure. I like what Keith Butler did with the front four where only two had their knuckles on the ground prior to the snap. The other two were moving along with the walk-arounds behind them. And he never knew where the pressure was coming from. Well, he kept it He kept it uh, from both sides. You know, he would overload with just linebackers to one side and then, the, you know, two de- couple defensive linemen on the other side. 
Uh, then all of a sudden they'd start to shift pre-snap. Mm-hmm. Now you're giving some shiny objects for Josh Allen to look at. You know, and some of that in, in included Mel Ingram from a stacked linebacker position running a three game where T.J. Watt and Tyson would drag their men down, and he'd come screaming around the corner. You know, um, or the movement, some of the what Minka was doing, just he was outstanding. I mean, I got to believe Josh Allen at times or the offensive lineman with the way they were moving around. All of a sudden, they go squirrel, and everybody look. You know, <laughs> and you're not sure what you saw, but it slowed you down just enough that somebody got a step ahead. And the one play he made where he took the perfect angle, was that the swing pass or a screen uh, to his left, offense's right? And he went bang. Um, And he, you know, it was like a straight line. Yes. that was. I'm trying to remember what that was. Unfortunately, one of my crushed synapses in my head is not responding to that particular play. Well, we can wait. It's it's an hour show. (laughs) It it might not check in for a while, Billy. But the fact is, you know, uh, Minka made some big stops, 10 tackles, 10 tackles. And he kept showing up in some big moments. Uh, Wow. That defense was just simply electric. And the Bills returned 21 out of 22 starters, so they had that continuity. And we'll get to the offense a little bit later in the show because there's a lot to break down there. But obviously they had a lot of new faces there. But as we said with the defense, you know, just getting a chance to work with each other, get Joe Schobert in there. And Billy was even saying, you know, Devin Bush did a lot of things, and he felt like he didn't even really say his name yesterday. That's true. You know, I mean, there's 10 tackles. There's double-digit tackles by that young man. And we, we barely you, – you barely noticed with all the other stuff that was going on. And I got to tell you something, it was chaos. You know, I mean, even in the booth it was so loud and, you know, you're, you're oh. trying to watch. But, I mean, there were so many of those Buffalonians, my people, <laughs> my peeps, you know, uh, that, you know, they get out there and they get rowdy and they get loud. And, I, you know, the one thing I will say is I just wondered how many tables went down yesterday. You know, that Buffalo Mafia, they go out there. You know, oh, yeah, they dive on the table yeah, in they the d- parking lot. Yeah, I, I Have don't... you ever done it, Wolf? No, I haven't. I'm proud to say I haven't. <laughs> and I'm even prouder to say I don't intend to ever do that. <laughs> Good. Good thinking. Yeah, we're glad you didn't do that yesterday on your way out. Uh, you know that I love my stats. This one is from Elias. The Steelers, of course, trailed the Bills 10 nothing at halftime. It is their first season opening win when trailing by at least 10 points in at the half. They were previously 0-14. So how big is a 10-point deficit at halftime? <sighs> That's huge. Just mm-hmm. huge. You know, it was funny because I was asking Max uh, in, our, in, in the locker room show, I said, you know, one of the things that uh, you've been there when Mike Tomlin, you've been down at halftime, and Mike Tomlin, you know, what's he like at at halftime? You know, and, and he went on to say, you know, <laughs> there's not that, there's nobody panics, you know, and it's all about, all right, let's get this squared away, and boom, 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 very businesslike, and nobody gets panicked, nobody. Mike Tomlin is really an overlooked factor in so many ways in this organization, and one of the things uh, I, I just find people just incredulous that, you know, they'll say, well, he hasn't won this. And that. Do you realize we're on our 15th season that he, the man has not suffered a losing season? You know, and I, it, forgive me for going even further on this, because one of the things that just is remarkable is think all the way back to 1969 when Chuck Knoll was hired and he became the first Hall of Fame coach, then Bill Cowher after 23 seasons, became the second Hall of Fame coach. And now, you know, who knows where Mike's going to end up as far as total wins, but he is going to be the third in a row 
Hall of Fame coach, in, in my mind, no question about it. And neither, is that right for three guys? None. None was had any head coaching experience. Yeah. And, and I, I think the Rooney philosophy, um, and especially under Dan, bring in a brilliant coach who doesn't have the baggage of having been a head coach and give him time to develop into one in the Rooney way, the Steelers way. And, yeah, Hall of Fame material in all three cases, that's incredible. Not too bad. All right, we are going to take a quick break. Before we do that, I want to remind you for the most complete selection of Steelers merchandise from the official sideline gear and authentic memorabilia to our extensive selection of jerseys and terrible towels, visit one of the official Steelers Pro Shop stores located at Hinesfield, Grove City Premium Outlets, or Tanger Outlets, or visit us online at shop.steelers.com for all of your Steelers merchandise needs directly from the team. Much more to talk about from the Steelers 23 to 16 win over the Bills in Buffalo. The point after presented by Parks Casino. We'll be right back. Back to the point after on DVE. Shotgun snap, empty set. Allen is hit, bounces out of the pocket. He's hit down from behind. The ball is out. The Pittsburgh Steelers go for it, and they think they have it. Cam Hayward is on the ball for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is a fumble recovered by the defense. First down. And there, Josh Allen's willingness to run got him in trouble. T.J. Watt doing T.J. Watt-type things yesterday. Welcome back to The Point After, presented by Parks Casino. Missy Matthews, Bill Hillgrove, and Craig Wolfley. Guys, Coach Tomlin said he expected T.J. Watt to do exactly what we saw yesterday. <laughs> uh, Billy, are you surprised by anything you saw from number 90? No, not nothing at all. Um, you know, I did see the practices where he just was off by himself and working with the strength and conditioning people. And you wonder if you put him in a scrimmage situation, what's going to happen? Well, it was T.J. Watt. Um, <laughs> that play that we just heard, um, and Wolf said it several times prior to that, that Josh Allen, Allen's willingness to run can get him into trouble in this league. That stuff works at a lower level. But if you're going to run as a quarterback in the National Football League, you better pick your spots. And that certainly wasn't a spot. I think in retrospect, easy for me to say, that he could have thrown the ball away or taken the sack. But he tried to run away from T.J. Watt, and not too many people can. No, you uh, You know, one of the things that was funny was I'd, I'd heard that uh, T.J. wasn't happy with his performance last year against Buffalo. So I think Daryl Williams uh, was on his radar as somebody he wanted to even the score with and that tj uh, he 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 reminds me of a guy that likes to even scores <laughs> you know and so you watch that pass rush and i will tell you there is a slick move that he throws that i can't reveal on air because i promised the guy who did that originally that i would wouldn't ever share that and so I, I I have to I have to do that. Super but secret. It's a super yeah. It's, it's super like secret. magicians. Yeah, don't yeah, give you away can't secrets. Reveal. But if people want to learn the art of pass rushing, get that reel of of TJ and just watch what he does. He is so good with his hands. He's so good with moving his body out of the way of obstacles to be able to chase down quarterbacks. That strip sack was absolutely it was a Mona Lisa, if you will. <laughs> 
Well, as Billy said, you know, we all watched him just at training camp, the amount of work he was doing wearing a, a catapult device, which basically keeps track of your exertion, you know, your heart rate, all those kinds of things. And he said in his press conference after he signed his contract that, you know, his numbers were there compared to going through a normal practice in 2020. That's how hard he was working to make sure that he was staying fresh. And, you know, we had a chance to interview him and he said, I was just twiddling my thumbs because I wasn't practicing. There was no practice film on myself to watch. I just watched Bill's film. So I am sure, like you said, knowing TJ, that week 14 loss (laughs) where, you know, things started going south for the Steelers in that latter portion of 2020 that he watched a little bit, maybe too much, but obviously it worked out. And, you know, Billy and I were talking earlier, even, you know, Mika Fitzpatrick, he's known as one of those film guys as well in just seeing the game. I think a lot of them went into there remembering the bad taste from last year where it was completely quiet, no fans, cold, miserable. You lose, you come home with an L and, you know, week one, they decided to shake things up. I will say this. Before Daryl Williams went to sleep last night, I bet he checked underneath his bed and in the <laughs> closet for the boogeyman named T.J. Watt. <laughs> Where is that number 90? Exactly. I know he's here. I know he is. Well, he added two sacks, as we said yesterday. So now in terms of career sacks, he's at 51.5, which is good for 10th on the Steelers' all-time list. So he is climbing into the 50s, and I, I'm sure as we go throughout the season, I'll be telling you all the different guys that he's passing. <laughs> and doesn't it seem like yesterday, Wolf, when you and I had the pleasure to interview him? Yes. On draft day. No Not question draft day. Well, it was, yeah, fan it was post. Yeah, fan, fan fest. fest. Yeah. Fan fest. Yeah. Uh, right after the draft. Yeah. And, okay, here's the number one pick, and you guys get to interview him. And uh, little did we know that this guy would become the highest paid defensive player in the league. The one thing I remember about that interview that really stood out to me was I remember mentioning his brother J.J., and I remember him saying, not, not, not unkindly or anything like that, but I'm here to make my own you know, history. I'm Let me out of own. that shadow. Yeah, I mean, and not in a, an unkind way that you know, he, he loves his brother, and there's no question about it. His brothers, I should say. But you know, it was all about I'm going to make my own. You know, I'll make my own way here. And I, I found that very... Very cool, you know, that he would defer to his older brother as the great player that he is, which he he was and is still. But he was going to make his own way. He's his own man. I don't know if you remember uh, during the preseason, we interviewed Joe Schobert, and he jokingly said, hey, T.J. Watt was actually my backup at Wisconsin (laughs) when they flipped him over to defense. But he said, you know, I taught him a few things, but obviously J.J. gets a lot of credit. And T.J. even said that this offseason it was just focusing on football back in Wisconsin. J.J., T.J., and Derek just all worked out together, and that's all they did. You know, they are the maniacal people that – Bring, eat the same kind of oatmeal every morning. They're very regimented, and obviously for TJ it works. And, you know, he you could just tell how emotional, not in a bad way, but just how much it meant to him to get that contract, to remain a Steeler for the next five years. Uh, the fact that he just wants to prove the Steelers brass correct for drafting him, let alone for what he's contributing. And, you know, he made no bones about it. Super Bowl is the goal, and he – feels very strongly about this team. And I I think we're starting to see what he's talking about in terms of at least the chemistry on defense and the way these guys are just ferocious and are bringing that physicality. All I can say is those guys go after a quarterback like uh, I do a steak. You know what I mean? (laughs) That you talk about ferocious. Man, those guys, they are man-eaters. 
Ex- they do go after Except it. they don't have utensils. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good point, Billy. We talked a little bit about Cam Hayward. I do want to talk about the other Cam, Cam Sutton, who also got a nice little contract this offseason. Uh, Wolf, what did you see from him in terms of kind of playing all over the place, but just being that Swiss Army knife, that versatile guy that the Steelers have talked about being able to do that since they drafted him out of Tennessee? You know, in the very first series, he they had to – Three wide to his side, he was playing off, and they ran basically the the rub route combinations. You got somebody going along, got somebody going across, and you got somebody who is just going to slide by on the on the uh, across the line of scrimmage. And he identified that like now. I mean, and he jumped that and just drilled the guy, brought him down for a, a one yard loss. Stefan Diggs took him down for a two yard loss. It was remarkable because his ability to identify uh, the the personnel. The uh, route combination that was unfolding in front of him, whatever triggered that, his C-do was, uh, you know, remarkable. And then to see it, again, come out later on when he had the uh, fourth and one to Brita. You know, when the, to have the foresight, the coaches told him, I guess, from what I understand, they told him that, you know, they felt like this bunch and this setup where they just in preseason ran a fullback dive or something off of it. Be wary for using, you know, the toss, pitch, whatever, to breed it to the outside on a short-yarded situation. Well, Cam, Cam, again, identified that. And one of the things that is so remarkable is how much of the turf he ate up in getting to the guy he wanted to bring down, Brita, uh, before the guy even got the ball. And that's one of the keys to good open field tackling. And Cam Sutton was just remarkable in that. Yeah, that's Coach Tomlin was uh, giving him kudos to that in terms of what they saw from the preseason and were kind of forecasting could potentially happen. But T.J. Watt said flat out that fourth and one stop, giving the ball back to the offense was huge in terms of the defense getting a rest as well. But, you know, when you look at Stefan Diggs and we know what he's capable of doing, oh. was targeted 14 times, nine catches for only 69 yards. And, I mean, for him, that's not a great day at the office. So they were doing a really good job and even just minimizing, you know, their run game and keeping them off balance, which is not, I think, what everybody thought they were going to see yesterday from the Buffalo Bills. No question. I mean, think about this. Last year, I believe uh, Diggs had 10 catches for a buck 30. All right. I mean, that that's a big drop to, you know, 69 yards. And he had a touchdown, too, I believe, last year. Um, but – I thought that was remarkable, and it was just such a great day by the secondary. But so much of it was was preempted by that defensive front up up doing damage left and right as far as rushing uh, Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen was really confused by what was going on, you know, by the defense. I remember watching one of the TV things uh, where they do uh, bet them or don't, and a couple of guys in a row said, "Oh, you got to bet uh, Stephon Diggs against that Steelers secondary." And, okay, he caught nine balls, but 69 yards and no end zone, that's a win. Yeah, that's a win. I I totally get the hype for the Bills, right? I think we all kind of do and understood that going into this season. And Josh Allen, this was his first loss to the Steelers. He was 6-0 and last year against top 10 total defenses. That obviously included the Steelers last year. But the Bills were averaging 31.3 points per game last season. The Steelers were only allowing 19.5. That was third best. So I almost feel like the Steelers' defense was getting a little disrespected. Uh, heading into this season, even though so many guys were still returning. I understand there were key pieces, but I feel like they were replacing them with really good guys. 
Well, there's no doubt in my mind, and Billy, I look at it this way again. We go back to that chip on the shoulder. What do you think the conversations were in the offseason? I don't think we can do this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's just see. And I think guys like Cam Hayward and T.J. Watt and, you know, other guys, the, the, the leaders on that team, Joe Hayden's and that, you just kind of, okay, we'll just wait and see. And then they come out and they prove it. Listening to one of the replays, I have to be careful now. I can't just say Cam. No. Oh, yeah. There's two good Cams. Uh Uh-huh. And there were two yesterday. No question about it. I don't know how you keep things straight anyhow. I have enough trouble just talking to myself. I have a Ouija board. (laughs) You know, it's uh, people. And I remember remember going back to when I first started to cover football where coaches would say, I have to look at the film. Uh, When 22 people are on the field and 11 on the side colliding, there's so much going on that one set of eyes can't watch it. Oh yeah. I mean, you you could you know, and but if you watch one specific, and you guys watch, uh, you know, the stuff up front. If you watch that, you're okay. But you can't see everything. You can't follow the ball and watch matchups. You can't do it. It's it's a little difficult. You know, I have issues with that, and I've been told that I have issues with watching the hogs too much. <laughs> no, I disagree because that's where the game is won and lost, and I think that yesterday was no exception. Well, uh, there's no question in my mind. That offensive line. I'll I'll say this. Adrian Clem has changed the culture in that room. There's something going on now. Look, I get it. There's a lot of work to be done. This is a small sample. Uh, There's a lot to gel with the running game and Najee and all that stuff. But I got to tell you something. You go break down that film and watch it over again, there's some people out there who are pretty exciting. There are some guys that want to finish, and you can see it. And that's exciting. Mm. You know, when you got guys that go into the echo of the whistle and they're putting guys on their back, we have not seen that in a little while. And I am excited by what I see. Again, it's potential. <laughs> I'm getting all fired up and whacking the microphone and everything. Don't talk with your hands. <laughs> it's Victory yeah. Monday. You can celebrate. It's there all right. <laughs> but to see some of these guys, um, I let me just say, uh, you know, go back and watch the film and – You'll see individual, yeah, they got some some burps and miscues and so forth, and and sometimes sometimes you just get beat. But there's some people out there, the young bucks, they they did a good job, you know, great job. I'll I'll hold on because again, it's such a small sample. But you know, the Danny Moore. I mean, you think about this. He got beat by Mario Addison, who's um, pretty dead gum good pass rusher. Just signed right. a biggie, didn't he? I, I I don't know. I that's uh, you know bean counting, and I'm you know I, I'm very <laughs> poor at that sort of thing. But to watch him, you know, he got himself in trouble because he got turned too quickly to the sidelines. You get your shoulders uh, squared. You're, you stop playing the man inside out. He got his feet together, and he got his hands low. And that's for an experienced defensive end like Mario. That's a uh, that's an invitation to trap the hands and, and go, take the back corner. And uh, he'll learn. He'll learn. You know, and he's this is a kid. I, I like him. I think, you know, if he works on his kick, kick step, gets his punch, plays the guy inside out, he's, he's going to be fine. Mm, better than that, he's going to be good. Coach Tomlin was asked this week about him, and he said, you know, we were actually pleasantly surprised by what he showed us. So, you know, they knew going in what they were getting but got a little bit more, and that's never a bad thing when you're rearranging an O-line throughout the preseason and then finally are finalizing it heading into week one that Monday, really, that Labor Day is when 
we officially sell things, but you know, he even put it into perspective of, you know, one week is not going to write your story. And they celebrated yesterday. I'm sure the tune has switched and they're focusing on the next opponent. But in terms of the offense, Billy and Wolf, I, I wanted to get your, you know, it's one week, but what did you learn about what Matt Canada is bringing to this offense? I think um, stick to if I can say that. Uh, in the first half, that offense looked like a poem that didn't rhyme. And, you know, with Ben, it's probably going to turn around. And it did. And, you know, uh, Max touched on it when he said, I like the fact that they're running vertically. Um, and there were some good runs that second half. What we average less than a yard a carry the first half? And then, you know, it was respectable at the end of the game. wasn't great, but it, it was something to build on, that running game. And, you know, the offense just kind of stuck with it and got better. And, boy, that fade pattern. Oh, give me a break. Yeah. There are yes. not too many quarterbacks throw that, and very few receivers can execute the other end of it. I was surprised by the number of shotgun snaps as compared to under center. I thought we might see a little bit more. But it, the what what was really cool, and I talked about this with Max, was the way they went to the body with some good, you know, tight runs to, like, bunch everybody. And then they came with that reverse. And you had Fryermuth out there kicking out. This kid, Fryermuth, you know, I was, I, I got to say, I, I wasn't too impressed with his blocking. I mean, he was willing, but, you know, it, it just wouldn't happen. And he blocked some people yesterday. He looked very good. You know, I'd said, well, he's young. He's going to get with it. Well, he got with it very, very quickly. <laughs> he had a nice block on a nine-yard run from Najee uh, on a counter tray as the trail guy kicking out uh, on that Chase Claypool 25-yard run. He was the lead guy, mm -hmm. created that lane open, uh, and then he had the big catch in the second half. Mm -hmm. When things were, you know, looking a little bit shaky, he came through with a big catch. I like this kid. This young man has grown very quickly in a very short period of time. Uh, I look for some more good things as he grows. All right, we have to take another quick break here on The Point After, presented by Parks Casino. Much more discussion about the Steelers' offense. Some special teams love as well. We'll get all to that when we return. Don't go anywhere. DVE. He's one of those guys, you get the ball in his hand and just sit back and watch it. And uh, We knew what the call was. Uh, told him to be patient because sometimes he can get impatient with uh, the double move route, and he did. And um, his ball skills are through the roof ball uh, kind of got tipped up and he was still able to catch and get two feet in uh, you know just just awesome welcome back to the point after presented by parks casino missy matthews bill hillgrove and craig wolfley ben roethlisberger talking about wide receiver deontay johnson his touchdown uh just his presence yesterday guys i know there was a little bit of an injury scare when he left and headed to the blue tent, able to come back out and score. And, you know, going back to last year, we talked about that game, how ugly it was. That was the game where Coach Tomlin benched Deontay Johnson for a little bit. So for him to come back to Buffalo and to put on that type of performance, I think says a lot about where he has been mentally and physically this offseason and just getting over whatever happened in 2020 for him, Billy. That was a great execution. Uh, but we talked about it. Uh, you watch it in slow motion, and you say, oh, he did everything right. But he's got to do everything right in real time. And as you heard Ben say, had to deal with a defender, getting a piece of the ball, had to catch it, and then the presence of mind to drag the toes. Oh, that was That's as good as it gets. Uh, reminds me of a touchdown that we used to win a game, and I can't remember who it was. 
Mike Wallace, left corner of the end zone. Same thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I can't remember the team that we beat. Well, don't look at me because, you know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but Might have been the Patriots. Could have been. I, I don't remember right no. off the top of my no. very flat head. But I will say this. You know, when we listened to Ben talking about how he was talking to Deontay prior to the, the score, you know, you're listening to the seasoned veteran with calm and an ability to communicate in a maelstrom, a cauldron of noise and everything else. Keep You know, you talk to those guys and you, you look at this guy, and one of the things that you always that I always did, at least with Terry Bradshaw, right, when you got the blonde bomber in your huddle, you always have that opportunity to come back regardless of the score. He was always calm, right? Ben is very much the same way. And you hear him talking about, well, I reminded him, you know, on that, on that uh, you know, uh, double move, make sure you're patient, da-da-da. You know, and, you know, I love the way that he's leading by leading, you know, and that's, to me, the thing that Josh Allen is going to grow into, and I'm sure he's going to have his moments. But when you have a seasoned vet like Ben who's been on the biggest stages – and I've been in the huddle with quarterbacks that, you know, quarterback that would stammer a little bit. You know, we got mm. the, we got the, uh, we're going to run the toss, <laughs> you know. Um, no names will be mentioned. Yeah, no, no. names. No names. <laughs> you know, but the thing, what, what's really important is you can see that their ability to stay calm was, was lacking, you know, and you got to stay calm in there, especially when you're the leader. And that's what Ben did. He delivered at the moments he needed to deliver for the Steelers. And I think credit to Ben, too, who's learning a, a new offense, you know, in his good point. <laughs> very latter part of his career. And he's also doing a good job of making sure that the other guys are up to speed along with himself. He's talked about, you know, the flashcards his kids are making him at home to help <laughs> him learn what Matt Canada is doing, the terminology, yeah. the different changes. But, you know, we mic'd him up for that third preseason game against the Lions. I know it was only three series, but he did. A, there was a lot of teaching moments. I think one of them was to Dion. Dante um, a few times, even to Eric Ebron. So just always something that he's giving pointers on. And, of course, that's what the quarterback's supposed to do. But, you know, for a younger offense in terms of the guys up front, as we've alluded to, I, I thought the wide receivers really stepped up. Chase, Juju, Deontay, too. Oh. To, to help them out and to work kind of the middle of the field as well. And, you know, when the run game wasn't going, they were still persistent. But, you know, it, it ended up working out. In my mind, you know, the, those receivers made the clutch catches when they needed to make it. Chase Claypool just high-pointing that ball over top of Tredavious White down the sidelines. I mean, that's that that's just insane that you could pull that off. Uh, Chase Claypool, in my mind, just has such an opportunity to grow into somebody very special. Well, Juju's already special, and you've got Deontay. Ben is just you know, overflowing with praise for him and his skills, his ball skills. Uh, and then, of course, James Washington is a guy that can come alive at any point in time. Mm-hmm. So you look at this receiving group. They are tough. And Juju, by the way, kudos to him in capturing that onside kick. Again, I have been at the point of an onside kick. It's never fun. It's <laughs> rather terrifying. <laughs> um, you know, as I said before, I can remember it like yesterday, that ball bouncing. It's like I'm on NyQuil, you know, and just, no. <laughs> and that ball <laughs> is there. Mo. And then it just, my, the, the ball hits my hands, the headhunter hits me, and it's gone. <laughs> he, he snatched it right He up. went right to it. He did. It was beautiful. Just, here comes the ball. Boop. I got it. Yep. And, and there was no question about it. Nobody had, even had time to go after him. I mean, he was on the ball before uh, anybody got there. Tell me that's not a dick rope pick, 
just a backhander picking that baby up at the <laughs> shortstop or whatever and, 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 and throwing them out at first. I mean, that's a beautiful, clean play by Juju. You know, in, executed. In all, in all fairness to my longtime partner, he did a lot of that with nobody running at him. <laughs> Good point. But you said it. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Najee Harris's regular season debut. Uh, 16 attempts, 45 yards uh, in terms of rushing, only 1.5 ter- or 18, excuse me, in terms of his longest, longest 2.8 average. Uh, what did you make of it, Wolf, in terms of what the Steelers were going to do? We knew that improving the run game is one of the top priorities for this team. Well, I think one of the things that they did was they, they ran a lot of stretch plays, and I just don't think that Buffalo, that's not a team you want to run the stretch play. They're, they're, they're fast. They're, they're capable of going sideline to sideline, and I love the fact that they changed. I don't know when it was exactly, what, late in the second, early in the third, something like that, maybe the third quarter when they got the drive going. They started punching them in the mouth going straight. You know, I think that was a smaller defensive line except for the given uh, Vernon Butler, who happened to be 330 pounds, <laughs> and that's pretty big in anybody's book. Um, but the rest of the guys, the Ed Oliver's at 287 and Jerry uh, Hughes at 250, and Mario Addison is only a 260-pound guy. Um so those guys, uh, I, I think you come off the ball and they, they started to get after it and stick with their blocks. And part of that is just getting seasoned to understanding what it is to block to the whistle. And as I was talking about earlier, Kendrick Green, you know, he might have blocked to the, the whistle, the echo of the whistle the next valley over <laughs> on a couple of them. I like this kid. Um, I hope he continues in the same vein. Uh, because he is uh, somebody that's going to be, if he continues his upward growth, and again, it's a small sample, but this kid could indeed be someone special. What do you think happens if and when Zach Banner? Did I answer what you asked? I, you know, you did. All of a sudden, I'm sitting there going, where was I going? Well, O-line and running, but it all works in tandem, right? Well, there you go. Well, Missy didn't say I don't understand your question, so you, you were fine. <laughs> Very good. Uh, just a quick follow-up in terms of the O-line. If and when Zach Banner is healthy and able to return, what do you think happens there? That's going to be interesting, you know, because if this young man – let me just say this. You've got a three games – two more games at least before. Yeah, he can't out. return until week four the Packers game. Yeah. So if, you, if he's ready if to he's go. If he's ready to go. And I got a feeling that that just might be something. If Dan Moore continues and Chooks is able to play at, the, at, a, at a good high level, um, if that continues, then you're, you're, why would you want to interrupt the young guy at left tackle? You know, and the possibility would, would be if uh, you want to bring Zach back, you might do so at some point in time. But, you know, make sure that, that knee is good and healthy. That's a big, big man. And big, man, big men have big knees. You know, I mean, you got to make sure you're, that, that knee is, is healed all up. Maybe they'll work him in slowly and he'll be the extra big guy. As he was before. But I'll tell you this, when he gets out there and he just moves people. I mean, I one thing about Zach, you know, when he gets in his three-point, he starts to ground and pound, and he comes off the ball. I mean, wow. People just naturally move. Uh-huh. <laughs> we talked about uh, what the locker room was probably like at halftime. Everybody said, you know, no one was panicking. They right. were staying calm. But one antidote that Coach Tomlin did say in his post-game press conference was that he heard Derek Watt and some of the other special teamers say, 
all right, we got to get it together. We need to help and score. And that kind of came to fruition. So what do you make of the blocked punt that was returned for a touchdown yesterday? We gotta, Can we, first of all, talk about the whole special teams? Think about this. Danny Smith, you know, the gum chewing, you know, 1,000 pieces <laughs> per game. Danny Smith chewing that bazooka Double bubble, joke. too. Yeah, double Ew. bubble. <laughs> and he's got the task of you have a rookie snapper, you've got a rookie holder, who also happens to be uh, the rookie punter, who is receiving a long snap from the rookie snapper, uh, holding for the Wizard of Boz. That's a lot of moving parts that you got to get ready for a hostile environment that's going to be on the silent count. It's going to be, you know, full of, uh, you know, bad wind and everything else. And what a marvelous job he did. And to take an effect, uh, you, you take that opening kickoff and you like go, Gadzooks, what happened? Well, guys got blocked. But you know what? There was a couple guys, you know, Chuck Noll used to say, um, you know, it's no shame to get blocked, don't stay blocked. Mm-hmm. And it's no shame to get knocked down, don't stay down. And UG3, if you look at him, he got blocked, but he turned around and he chased that guy, Isaiah McKenzie, all the way down the field and made the tackle. And then he went on to scoop and score with that punt. I mean, the special teams were huge yesterday in a way you know, that we haven't seen in a long time. The rookie punter comes off. He goes shankopotamus, as you call it, Billy. And yet he comes back with a 46 and 51. You know, you got the the Wizard of Boz going five for five in place kicks. Uh, that was, it, I thought it was a remarkable job given the circumstances by which they were facing it. You know, the, the, the crowd and everything. And uh, Harvin punted that beautiful voodoo punt. Yeah. Which you normally see toward midfield but we were not quite toward midfield but he still did it and the return guy mckenzie had to let it bounce and guess what you got like 20 yards of bounce and roll oh that's beautiful stuff you know i mean when you can get that sort of punt thing going on it that's remarkable in the way that they can i don't know i mean you see the pro golfers they get the backspin on a, on a golf ball and you know you see it come back and you know i can't even you know i i hit it with side spin I don't hit it all. I, I play miniature golf. so that's, <laughs> Putt-putt. Yeah, putt-putt. That's me. <laughs> all right, quickly, before we have to end tonight's show, uh, Billy, we'll start with you. Give me your week one MVP. Cam Sutton. Uh, that fourth and one, and it was right after Minka made the, the nice hit on Brita, and then they tried that lateral pass, that fourth and one. That's where the game really turned because it was 10-6 at the time. Steelers drove and ran the ball well. Najee carried for five, then for 18. Uh, the Ben did uh, Deontay touchdown, 13-10, and then the punt block and the party was on. That was sensational. I mean, I thought Cam Sutton was just terrific. I don't know how you could uh, better the performance other than maybe getting a pick or something. Uh, but I just thought he was remarkable. I'd have to go with uh, T.J. Watt just coming out, having um, an issue with Daryl Williams knowing that I didn't get the pressure that I wanted off this guy. So as he sat there and watched over and over uh, the Buffalo film from last year, because he, as Missy was saying, he didn't have any practice film. He had no other stuff to watch. So I'm just going to watch this guy that has, in my mind, been torturing me because I didn't get the job done. And now uh, he comes out and he just lets it all out. And I love that. Let that dog feed. And he fed. 
All right, well, we get to go to Heinz Field on Sunday when the Las Vegas Raiders come to town. They are playing tonight against the Baltimore Ravens Monday Night Football, so make sure you guys go home and watch, get a little early jump on your <laughs> film work. Uh, that is going to do it for us here tonight on The Point After, presented by Parks Casino for Bill Hill Grove and Craig Wolfley. I am Missy Matthews. We'll see everybody back here next Monday at 7 p.m.